Before this all kicks off, I just want to say that we have not forgotten about you. We have selected a winner for our little gift bundle, and that goes to the review of More Chunk, Less Crunch, and I am going to butcher this name, from DM. Feel free to correct me on how that is said. I don't know what I'm reading here, but if you can send us a screenshot of your account or anything else through Facebook or Twitter, we will get your package sent out to you. Thank you. Welcome back to another episode of A Bite of D&D, where we add flavor to your games and campaigns. I am Micah, and across the internet from me, as always, is my co-host, Zach. And joining us today is Jack. Hello. How's it going, guys? And today we are going to be talking about an adventure that he wrote for the, you have it up on the DMs Guild, correct? That is right. It is on the DMs Guild. It is called A Quiet Man's House. So kind of like the last adventure we did, this is a lower level adventure. In my opinion, at least that's where you have the most interesting gameplay, or at least the most interesting uh, stories written for gameplay uh, outside of your your big abilities. Um, so this is, I believe it was for levels four to five. Was it three to four? I do not remember. Uh, three to four. Three to four. So depending on what order these episodes come out, we may or may not have already talking about talked about one of the creatures that you use in here. But I like the adaptation of some of the higher CR creatures into this to give it the the feel you're going for. Tell us a little bit about maybe the inspiration for writing this episode. Sure. So um, everything that I put on the DMs Guild comes from my personal campaign that I run with my friends. And so for this most recent campaign that we're in right now, two of the four players were completely new to D&D. And so for these first few um, kind of story arcs, I made a very conscious decision to be able to give them like any kind of gameplay that they wanted. Like I wanted to make sure there was a little bit of role playing, a little bit of exploration, some combat, problem solving, because they're still kind of they were still kind of finding their you know role playing feet and how they wanted to play the game. And so I wanted to make sure that all those options were on the table. And so what better way to give them all those options than a mansion where you can infiltrate things have social encounters and fight and explore and problem solve and investigate things. Yeah, it's really an adventure that I feel like has a little bit, like you said, a little bit of everything. Having ran it for uh, a group of, of, of my players, I would say that everything is well well thought out. I don't feel like any of the monsters are too overpowered, nor do I feel like any of them are a wasted space. Um, the traps which there aren't a ton of traps, but there's there's a few things in there to, to get you. I felt like those were reasonable. My players liked those, even though they, they had some of them sprung on them. <laughs> and, oh, the puzzles were really, I thought they had some interesting components to them, and my players enjoyed the mystery element of figuring out what exactly is happening in this mansion. I agree. The puzzle aspect is probably my favorite part of this adventure, as is the imp servant that your players may encounter, whether enlisting his aid or just getting him out of their way, depending on how they go about that. But uh, how you have him written in there and kind of his personality uh, is probably my favorite part reading through it. Thank you. Yeah, I really needed, um, 
I kind of needed a crutch for them as a just in case because I was very paranoid. Um, because you know the object of the adventure is essentially to get down to the basement. Um, in order to get there, you need you know at least two things, and I didn't want them to be totally stuck just because they, you know, made a terrible perception check in that one room, and so mm-hmm. I needed somebody, you know, something that could give them a push if they needed it. And so that's why I put that guy in there. Well, it's also a a good good way to get around uh, a potential language barrier uh, written into the adventure, though I think my favorite conundrum would be if someone were to not have a required language and then also have killed the one person who might have had it for them, and then they have another <laughs> issue of how do we figure this information out without alerting others or the the lord of this manor the the doctor that resides here to what's going on yeah i very much wanted you to be able to um you know solve each problem in a bunch of different ways i didn't want everything to be reliant on oh making this one perception check making this one history check i definitely wanted you to be able to you know solve things in your own way when possible my players enjoyed the the closet that we ran into and that's it was an interesting encounter, and my players got a lot of enjoyment out of it because the way you have him written, it's interesting for them to interact with him, but it also is making me, as the DM, do something, which is figure out how to make this guy talk or how he responds without responding. And there's a little game to be had there for for me, but also for my players to try to figure out better ways to... Because if they can help the closet answer questions indirectly then they'll get easier information faster so there's there's even even in the conversation there's a puzzle element which i think anytime you introduce a puzzle that's well made it helps engage the player base just on a whole nother level and it gives them it gives them some excitement moving further into the adventure well and i don't know uh maybe you can let us know if it's intentional or not but i think it's a great way of introducing lawful evil to low levels or new players in that he uh follows the letter of the law to a t and that is it yeah yeah it's um it's definitely a recurring theme in my campaign is that you know what seems evil is not always going to screw you over and what seems good is not always going to help you out and i definitely wanted something that they should rightfully distrust but that can help them and that they can benefit from yeah this is so quiet man's house is 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 definitely an adventure that i feel like you can drop anywhere and that like you say it kind of helps your players understand the world at large a little bit better because you have you also one thing that's really great that doesn't even get done a whole lot with with published adventures is you real you bring in uh some guild or faction action into your adventure with with mentioning the harpers and having them heavily involved and i think that you you said something earlier just a minute ago about stuff that's good isn't always out for for your best intentions or the party's best best intentions and 100 percent, my party felt that way like oh this harper agent is trying to do something good but are we okay with it like do the ends justify that means is a good question and i felt like that's a question that was raised well within this adventure thanks Real quick, uh, before we start diving into potential spoiler territory, we have not 
given kind of an overview of what this is. So can you give us kind of an elevator pitch, a brief overview over what this adventure is for those that might be potentially interested before we dive into what might be spoilers for people running the game? Sure. So kind of my no-spoiler elevator pitch is that the party is essentially contacted by a member of the Harpers, you know, the secretive, good, aligned organization of Faerun, and she basically lays out this job for them. I need you to infiltrate this guy's mansion. He is a former surgeon, shouldn't have anything magical about him, but somehow he has found this dangerous artifact capable of wreaking havoc, and I need you to get in there, grab it, and get out. And so as the party attempts to get in, they will kind of discover that there's a bit more to this guy than he appears. He's got way more traps in his house than any normal human should. Yeah, that's that's a perfect pitch for it. So now tell me, give, give if you could, give us a little bit of... Tell us the rest of the story. Tell us the story behind the story. Sure. So... Basically, the man in question here, his name is Anor Vincenth. He did have a wife. They were a lovely couple in love. He was a successful surgeon. She was a member of the very same Harpers that you are uh, reached out to by in the adventure. She goes off, does her missions for the Harpers, comes back to her patient husband. But one day, she comes back a monster. Her mission was to eliminate this vampire, but the vampire got the better of her, turned her into one of his spawn, and she returns home as a mindless vampire spawn. Now, her husband cannot bring himself to kill her, and so instead, he confines her to one of the rooms of the house, and for the next 20 years, he brings in dead bodies, he manages to order cadavers under the pretense of doing a surgery textbook, and he keeps her alive with blood that he extracts from them. He starts pouring over dark these dark tomes, acquiring these evil powers, all so that he can eventually kill this vampire and restore his wife's free will, and he also has a real grudge against the Harpers for sending her on this mission. That's perfect. perfect. This, to me, has... I think we talked about it quite a bit, but it has layers. And I don't think it's one of those things that some adventures that we run, it feels like the layers are very surface level. Like you're peeling back the onion, but really the the layers of the onion are all really close to the surface. And some adventures that you run is like you really have to get your fingernails in and just pry at it to get even one layer to come off. And I feel like this was right there in the middle where every time you peel one layer off, there's one layer right there ready to go again and you can kind of chew on those there's stuff all throughout the mansion there's little bits and pieces that kind of fill in little pieces of the story the monsters the people themselves the npcs have interesting things to add to that plot and it really allows your players the chance to discover for themselves what's happening which then allows them to make their own conclusions as to what should be the outcome I very intentionally organized the mansion, too, so that you would kind of get to it layer by layer. Um, Like, I put more of the macabre things on the bottom floor where people are most likely to enter from so that they come in, they see 
what appears to be a very evil person doing very evil things, and then as they rise up through the house, get to what would most likely be the later rooms, you kind of see a lot more of, huh, is this <laughs> guy so bad? Well, with that, I'm going to go ahead and give an official spoiler warning here so we can kind of unshackle our vocabulary a little bit as we discuss this. And I want to go back to having some depth in how you approach the situation because, again, it's a very small thing. But what I appreciated was for those that have been paying attention and who are kind of critically thinking even early on uh, how this guy is supposed to be just a normal surgeon. There's no reason he should have this artifact. There's no reason he should have been able to stop another member of the Harpers. Uh, For anyone paying attention, warlocks are a known thing within the D&D world. And I like that his familiar is, in fact, a fiend. So if someone is like, well, hold up, I want to kind of get some sense uh, senses out of what's going on they can protect, potentially detect that early warning system for him in a, a fairly clever way for those that have been paying attention to the story and are kind of thinking outside the box a little bit more and it's it's just another aspect it's a it's a good learning tool but it's also a very rewarding piece of information for people that have thought to use an ability like that one thing that I really liked, uh, if we're just pointing out the things that, that, that just jumped out at us that are bit spoilers, one thing uh, that my party loved was that you have the crow or the raven outside, excuse me, and they knew that, like, they figured out enough, they're like, okay, that raven has to be tied to, like, the familiar or something of this guy inside. But then when they met who they called Mr. Featherduster, even though that's not his name, and I made up a name, I think, for him, but they liked Featherduster – they decided that this guy had two familiars. And I and to them that was so cool. Like this guy has two two little guys that work for him. And and I don't know why, but that just really seemed to work. And then the other thing, so that was a kind of one thing is these these two familiars showcase kind of the darker side of him because they're these these dark familiars fiends. But then on the other side, I don't know if you did this intentionally, but the the closet is going around cleaning the house with this feather duster that he talks to. But the players can recognize that the house is clean, spotless, before they meet the closet. And what that did, when they were looking around this house, my players were expecting a haunted house. They're expecting a dilapidated house, a house in disrepair. And what they found was china cabinets, well-stocked, all clean. They found uh, white cloths all over all the furniture. They found everything meticulously dusted. And then, so they're like, well, that's kind of interesting. And then they started to find out, like, oh, this guy, there's a picture of his wife on the on the, on the the wall. Oh, it, like, as they kind of came to realize that this guy, in their mind, was a widower, and he's keeping up the house, and they're like, we don't want to, like, they, there was this hard turn from, like, we're here to steal stuff, cause havoc. And, and kill everything in sight to, like, I don't want to hurt this old man living by himself. I think they referred to it as the up house several times <laughs> by the end of it. And I, I really appreciated that, that, that you do have these macabre. It, you know, another great moment for them was they open up and they find the cadaver on the gurney in that, in that little room. And they're like, aha, this is where 
the gross shit happens, right? That's that was their summation, and that he's like, "What's in the room?" I'm like, "Nothing, absolutely clean." And he's like, "Oh, I want to go into the closet." So he opens up the closet. I'm like, "There's all sorts of stuff in here. There's like clothes. There's like there's vials. There's there's needles. All this stuff." And he's like, "Oh, that's that. This is the disgusting stuff." I'm like, "No, it's well organized. Like the clothes are all folded in the corner." All the vials and everything are on the shelves. Everything's largely clean. There's one that's got a little blood in it. And even just those little details that you had put in there made them kind of reset their minds and really helped make this a a unique mansion. Yeah, I was very conscious about what rooms I was making clean and what rooms I was making just a bit dirty from use and what rooms would be totally neglected or that, you know, the, the imp servant would not be allowed in and not be allowed to clean. Oh yeah, that was another. I, I I won't name all my favorite bits because leave some for the for the other DMs to run. But when they find the secret uh, study, her Annabelle study, and it's dirty and it's a mess. Like one of my players, I feel like got a little bit emotional there because yes, it's dusty, and so you know that Mister Feather Duster can't get in there. But the fact that it's disorganized. To, to them told them that this is the abode of somebody else like the doctor he's this neat fastidious person and the whole the whole rest of the house now is that but this one room shows who annabelle was and even though it's cluttered and disarray my party at least one of them really felt like they were connecting to who annabelle was as a person just by the chaos that this room had in in, in relation to everything else which then made it perfect because then they go over and they find that she's a vampire and now they've made this connection with her and they're like, oh, you can't kill her. So I kudos to you because that was a great moment for them. Thank you. So I have not spoken with you outside really the podcast here. Jack, uh, Zach was kind of the instigator for this. So I do not already know the answer to it. But what I appreciate about this is that whether or not someone picks up other things that you have written. Your adventure is simultaneously self-contained, but also a plot hook for other things that may lead to in the future. Do you have other adventures post this already out and written, or are you still kind of working on that as you go? So right now, I... Like I mentioned before, all of my um, adventures kind of come from my personal campaign, and we just wrapped up a story arc that I think could make a um, decent DMs Guild adventure. It's called The Sex Crossbows World Tour. It is essentially the party is hired to be the basically bodyguards and handlers of a rock band of bards who, um, true to any rock band stereotype, love to party. They love to get all kinds of high, hook up with groupies, just all these wild antics. And it's essentially the party's job to keep them alive and keep them out of trouble until the, their, the end of their concert. And my party just ran it, and they got somebody killed and had to spend... Uh, lot of money on a gutter priest to get him revived <laughs> that's awesome i was telling i was telling jack uh before the podcast micah that you had you have experience running games full of bards so that so you would enjoy this this notation yes uh i did an adventures league game during 
Tomb of Annihilation season uh, with the Death Curse, and I had a group of all bards run with me uh, <laughs> who assumed the Death Curse was like a rival metal band. And so their motivation for ending the Death Curse was so that they would win the Battle of the Bands in the area. Yeah, what is it about bards that just attracts so much chaos and mayhem? A party of bards, whether it's an NPC party or a PC party, is going to be completely different than a party of any other class. They're going to get into way, way more ridiculous shit on a, on a day-to-day level. And by way different, you clearly mean way better. Way better. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's very cool. Okay, so you've got um, you got this great adventure, uh, Quiet Man's House. You've are also got another adventure preloaded on the DMs Guild. Just briefly, give the elevator pitch for that one, um, just so people know a couple options. Sure. So that title is called In a Bit of a Pickle. And so it's a pretty low-level adventure. I believe it's meant for level two and three characters. And so essentially, the party is... Uh, requested to come help this half-ogre farmer. He's a bit of a dimwit, but a very good soul, and he has a bit of a problem with monsters out in his pickle fields. Well, you go and find the monster, and lo and behold, it's somebody pouring some strange potion on his crops. What does that potion do? It turns people into ogres when they eat the pickles. And so the party has to basically find out you know what is going on who is behind this and basically help out this poor innocent half ogre farmer that can't help himself i love it so that's a level two level three and then people could dive right into this level three level four mansion uh so you got a couple cool low level pieces for them before we wrap this up i like to ask talk to me about your experience of putting things on the DMs Guild. Did you find it difficult? Was, was there was there any other avenues that you considered? For people out there who are listening to the podcast who are saying, maybe I'm gonna maybe I want to put something on the DMs Guild, what advice would you give to those people? I would say so first of all, I I honestly felt like the tools for the DMs Guild were pretty great. They give you a lot of, you know, stock art and maps that you can use to help you know, make it a bit more flashy. Um, the template is really good to use once you kind of understand how it works. So I would say, really, there's nothing stopping you from doing it. It's not that difficult if you, you know, have an idea and you think that it would be great. You think that other people might like it too. That there's really nothing to stop you from putting it on. I would say, have fun with it. Honestly, awesome. Uh, yeah, I would. And and just giving people an idea i would say you know jack's things are about 20 25 pages worth of content which i think is a perfect size you really are writing as far as if i if i've got this right about 15 pages two column pages worth of content and to me that's the perfect length for a new person to put out on the dm's guild it's not so short that it's doesn't feel like it has substance but it's not so long that People have to devote a huge section of their campaign to to running your adventure. It's 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 the right length. I've got a not necessarily a, a purely on topic question, but kind of a fun question since I kind of voiced my opinion at the beginning of the session. But do you have a favorite tier of play for D and D as far as a level range goes? 
Uh, favorite tier. I think it would definitely... I think it's definitely got to be the tier 2 play. The 5 to 9 range. And I feel like that's the range where the characters, the player characters have really defined themselves. You know, they know what they are, they know what they want to be doing. And so if you, the DM, also know what they are and what you want to be doing, it's so much easier to screw with them. It, it, it's nice because, um, you know, even though they even though they're still low level, they're relatively low level, they still have so many different tools that they can overcome the challenges you throw at them. Like once my players started getting to, you know, level five and six, I stopped having to worry so much about, oh, is this going to be too difficult or are they going to be able to get past this puzzle? And I could start just trusting them and knowing that they had the tool sets to get through that. So I think that it's my favorite thing to DM for. I can constantly be surprised and I can constantly surprise them. And I, I feel like I would largely agree most mostly to the same points you have in that they've got enough tools where it doesn't feel like you have to babysit them or they feel like they're powerless. It's open enough that you can throw some bigger challenges at them, but you can keep it relatively familiar and that it's mm. still semi-street level sort of things maybe a, a bit beyond that every once in a while when they really get in over their heads but it's it's situations that we could easily see ourselves potentially falling into were this dnd but it's also low enough level that death is still a a real risk their hit points aren't so high that they feel like they can take on the world so i would agree i like tier two a lot Jack, I want to thank you for coming onto our podcast. Uh, it's always exciting to get to talk to someone who uh, is excited about D and D and who uh, is willing to pour forth time and effort into making their own content for it. Thank you, thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah, Absolutely. we love having you. You're great. I will go ahead and tell people if you look for Jack on the DMs Guild, uh, you can definitely look up a Quiet Man's House. You can also look it up, look him up by name, Jack Waybill. W-A-I-B-E-L that's W-A-I-B-E-L you can find all his adventures that way if you'd like and uh, we'll be super excited to watch out for any other content of yours that you put up on there thanks guys anytime I apologize my voice is starting to get shot a little bit here I am a little bit out of it but I was very happy to have you on talk with you as always you guys can find us on Facebook at a bite of D&D Twitter at the same handle holler at us if you have adventures that you have run that you would like us to maybe look at maybe talk to the people who wrote them and until next time we will catch you all later <laughs>